die. You understand that? Yes, sir. Roll back one. Fuck you. Yeah! Thank you for joining the ESBC podcast network where every single business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. And the purpose of this podcast is to make me money. The second purpose of the podcast is to make you money using business and financial concepts to bet on games. So the same way you measure an investment, it's the same way you measure uh, how you are going to wager and bet on a team. I have an MBA, I have securities licenses, I have successful clients, successful businesses. In the same way I advise clients, the same way I make uh, business decisions, the same way I pick a Mountain West Conference football game, right? So well, what what is the outcome? The outcome is 80%. 52.5% is break even. We're at 80, sometimes 90%, uh, if you count what we're doing right now with the MBA. And from a functional standpoint, my wife has used $32,000. We're humbled by that. We're humbled, lucky, and good that my wife has been able to pay $32,000 in gasoline since 2011, purely from money wagered on sporting events. got to be humbling that. That's more than... Than a, than a person makes in Haiti in a year. My wife has used gasoline purely on wagering money. Why? Because we live in the greatest country in the world. Now, a guy who's been making me money for four years, heard him on the radio, on the Scott and VR show, and instantly you're like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then when he would talk about his team, first rule of betting is do not bet your own team. He was pragmatic about it. He was like, I don't know. Eagles are probably going to lose this weekend, right? And I noticed that the people that make the most money, the most intelligent people, are the people who are cynical contrarians. We had him on the podcast. He was a cynical contrarian. We used to call him Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? Because he was always dissenting, right? Sign of intelligence. And he's been making a lot of money. So we then decided to partner up and we don't, I don't believe in partnerships because in 30 years I've seen uh, three partners murder each other and I only see one partnership work. So Dr. First and I collaborated on uh, bold picks and guess what? We were 80%. And we got every game right on New Year's. Then we proceeded to, <laughs> we collaborated on college basketball finishing 45 and six close to 90%, we consistently collaborate to make each other money, to make each other survive, uh, to make sure that our girls use the Bitcoin card for gas and to make uh, expensive purses and dresses. So we have with us tonight, and now we're collaborating on college football conference previews it's the number two rule of betting. And we'll make sure you see it on the episode notes and on our webpage. It's top 10 rules of betting. You can have the same success we're having. Uh, we are utilizing rule number two, which is do your research. The Tuesday podcast was on the 10, book, uh, 10 rules of betting that I get on into detail. Do your research. So 
Dr. Brandon First, PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you kindly for being generous with your time because I know your time is valuable. Uh, Non-betting stuff, I think you charge people like $1,500 an hour. So we're very, very fortunate. We have Dr. Brandon First, PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles, being generous with his time as we do our research this week on the Mountain West. Yeah, and it's... Uh... It's great. It's great to be here. And, you know, like we said, it's never too early to start doing your research. And you brought up an interesting point kind of off air about with um, kind of the uncertainty. I think we all expect pretty much, you know, 95 to 98 percent of Division One college football to play. Now, it probably won't be the same exact schedule that, you know, it was, you know, three months ago. But we're getting an opportunity maybe, you know, We've seen the SEC push um, push games back and other conferences push games back so that that's going to give us more time to uh, do our research and make educated bets on these games. And that's the key because obviously the number two rule of betting is to do your research. So it's very, very important. And when there's more time given, that's obviously a plus. And uh, even before that, obviously, look, it's what, August? And we're pretty much probably 60% of the way through with all of our, all of the conferences. So we're on, we're on really good, uh, really good track. And I think um, we're in, we're in good shape for any little, cause there will be some curveballs thrown at us here in the next couple months. I mean, it's 2020. You're lucky if it's only a couple curveballs that come at you. Um, so we get an opportunity now to uh, break these teams down and obviously a team or in a conference that uh, hits close to home for me and um, for pretty much everyone on the West Coast. Uh, obviously, the Pac-12 is the main West Coast conference, but um, the Mountain West uh, has been a bit down of late, but is still a, uh, a conference, you know, right there with the AAC and, um, you know, the MAC in terms of the outside of the top five or the power five. So really interesting to get into it. And we will right now with um, the mountain portion of the conference and alphabetically we as always we're going to hit uh, the Air Force Air Force Falcons this is a team um, the, the quintessential plug and play team I don't think you're ever going to have to worry about uh, discipline or anything like that for, for these guys they are um, obviously to join the Air Force no disrespect to the other branches of the military, but uh, it's a little more in depth. Um, you need to you know, be smart to go. To yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 one that you everyone strives to do, which is great. And this is a team, kind of part of the service academy. You know, idea of they're just going to run the triple option. Uh, it's you got Trey Calhoun, who's been there, um, played quarterback there, uh, did his part, and then has come back. I believe year. 14 for him um, last year, very quietly won 18 or eight games in a row um, lost to Navy and uh, ended up winning the eight or one eight in a row. Obviously Boise state was the representative of this com or of this division last year. The air force is bringing everyone back. The only problem with air force though, is there are going to be times where maybe you need to throw the football or you get down 14 points the offense will struggle to do that. But for us, that seems like a lot of unders and a lot of covers in certain dog games um, when they are underdogs. I will say 
Um, they are susceptible in the last 10 years as away favorites. Um, nine and 18, that is not ideal for, um, you know, really a team that you would think is pretty consistent in what you would expect. Um, what are your thoughts here on the Air Force Falcons as we start in the Mountain Division? Yes. Now we got a little behind on the on posting the conferences. So uh, tonight we'll make sure we get the Big 12 posted and the MAC posted that, that, that we did last week. And then either late tonight or early tomorrow, we'll get Conference USA posted. And then we'll be uh, all caught up and ready for the next couple of weeks where we're going to hit the Pac-10. We're going to hit the Southland Conference, the conference, conferences of interest down deep in the dirty South. Southland Conference, FCS. That conference gets a lot of guys in the NFL. They have a lot of connection with big uh, Power 5 programs and get great athletes down there. And then uh, we'll do the independents. You know, your BYU, Notre Dame. Uh, we'll get you uh, ready for that now. Uh, there's a t in, in football, analytics does not work, right? However, certain uh, teams, certain uh, strategies for putting a team together, there's there's certain statistics, right? And there's certain numbers you look at. Now, Air Force is a developmental program because they're an Air Force Academy. They're, you know, a military academy. And last year, they were 11 and 2. So what does that say? That says that they're probably on a two-year cycle. This year, they have four guys returning on offense, five on defense. And you can get away with that if your quarterback is a veteran and can put everybody in the right play. That's not the case this year. They have a rookie QB in there. And when you step to the line, the even same as the pass game, right? The quarterback has to be able to read the defense and read the numbers and get his team to run, in this case, to the right side. So Dr. First nailed it. Look for the unders. There's going to be some serious unders because I was thinking about it today when I was listening to Robert Schiller. Robert Schiller is the, the guy that wrote the, the famous book, uh, Predictively Irrational, right? Because uh, idiots that talk about technical analysis, there has to be a perfect market, right? And there's no such thing. So technical analysis is thus impossible. Nobody's ever made any money or gotten rich using technical analysis. So people miss things in the market. So just because it's the Mountain West game does not mean it's going to go over. Same <laughs> thing for the Big 12. You, get, you, get, you have to use rule number two. Do your research. And the first thing that hit me studying the, the Mountain West, there's going to be some huge opportunities for under, including Air Force at the beginning, right? Air Force Fresno State, Air Force Navy, Air Force San Jose State, Air Force and Army, Air Force at Colorado State. That game, and we'll get into that, but Steve Adazio has made me a lot of money going under because he loves to run the ball. He's a, a Coughlin guy. Coughlin made me a lot of money running the ball. Even though they have sorry offensive linemen, they believe in it. They believe in running the ball. 
They're like, they're still trying to establish the running game, and they're down by 50 points. But that's who they are. That's who Steve Dazio is, and that's who uh, 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 Coughlin is, Coach Coughlin is. So, a big takeaway from Air Force is uh, they're only returning four guys on offense, five on defense. They're going to have to play conservative zone defense to keep the score down. So look for Air Force uh, to not cover. If you're going to bet, bet against Air Force and bet on the under. Now, one huge advantage that kind of flips things that Air Force has is we see it in baseball right now, and we see it in the NBA. Teams that have disciplinarians and have discipline are doing better right now. Mental discipline, not letting the distractions of a pandemic bother them, and then not getting infected with COVID-19. The least disciplined teams in Major League Baseball, the Marlins and the Cardinals, got infected. The more disciplined teams, like the Yankees, uh, did not. And the same thing with the NBA. Spurs are doing well with a West Point graduate in Greg Popovich. So that's one advantage you're going to have to look at Air Force, especially late in the season. They're going to be a lot healthier than other teams. And like uh, Dr. First says, they're plug and play. So depth isn't much of an issue because they can bring some guy off the bench that's fresh and they got unlimited guys, right? Uh, <laughs> you're going to go through a full practice. They say the military academy, the easiest part of the day is football practice. 100%. To where else they're going through. And the football coaches that are yelling at them are the least of their worries compared to their drill instructor. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a whole different it's, – it's, honestly, it is I, – I don't know if we can ever go back to the Newt Rockney days and, and, you know, where the service academies are winning national championships. I don't think we're ever going to get there because it's a different – you know, you – you can get certain guys there that are really good, but it's hard to get 40, you know, all, you know, really good players that you kind right. of need for the national title. But for, like you said, this is a team that kind of runs in cycles and went 11 and two last year in probably two or three years, they'll go 11 and two again. Um, and, and like you said, big time plug and play. If you go to air force and you're a wide receiver, you better be the best wide res- blocking wide receiver in the world, because that's all you're prob- probably going to do. So uh, moving on to um, really the the perennial big shots of the Mountain West, uh, the Boise State Broncos. And obviously, this is a team that's been at the top for quite a long time. Um, we obviously, when you think Boise State, at least for me, the first thing I think of is uh, the Ian Johnson doing the Statue of Liberty play against Oklahoma and then the hook and lateral. Honestly, still for me, one of the greatest games ever played. Um, and it's... For Boise State, it seems like they're in kind of a no-win situation, at least nationally. Um, now, they're going to go out and they're going to win 10 to 11 games. But unless they are undefeated at the, at the end of the year, the nation or you know at large won't care. Um, but we don't really care about the, what the nation thinks. We're here to make money. Um, and the first thing that jumped out to me is, okay, look, 10 years – Boise State is 107 and 26 straight up. However, in those same 10 years against the spread, they are 69 and 64. Do you know what that means? That is inflated lines. 
left and Big right. Time. And I will admit, um, it was until it is one year where they were in the whack, which, but so there's maybe a little skew there. But still, we're talking about um, big lines pretty much wherever you look with Boise, which is fine. But Boise, I think, is a team that late in the year when they play Hawaii, when they play um, San Jose State, they're bored. I think they're bored. They're going to win the football game. Don't get me wrong. But they're going to win by a field goal or a touchdown or because they're bored. It's LeBron in, in January and February when he was with the Heat. They're just – they're looking for, you know – I don't know, something else to go on. And I think Boise, there are plenty of opportunities to find inflated lines. Um, really, really interested to see how the the schedule shakes out with the eight conference games and then the BYU and then the other uh, non-conference game, who Boise State, because Boise State's going to be the top commodity for other teams that want to play the Mountain West. So really interested. Obviously, look, when it comes to conference records, spreads don't matter, so they don't really give a crap about how they are against the spread. We do. This is a betting podcast. That is what we are about. Um, so, yes, make that money. And so they, we know that that's what they're going for, but we still know that, look, Colorado State's going to cover this team. Um, I don't know if San Diego State's on the schedule, but I would expect San Diego State to maybe not cover, but keep that game under. You know, certain things that they're not going to play Boise State ball, but they're going to do enough to cover the spread. I think there are plenty of opportunities to get something that I know is very near and dear to all of our hearts here on the podcast, and that's an inflated line. Right. And here's a lesson right here on how to make money on Boise State. And I could say that I've made money on Boise State the last decade, the last 10 years, because it started with uh, a mistake that Craig Thomas is making right now. SEC start not starting to the September 26th. He needs to change the schedule and have a game, even if it's one game, marquee game, Mountain West, show the other parts of the country how exciting uh, uh, Mountain West football can be. A guy who lives in Saginaw, Michigan, during a regular night season, SEC, SEC game or Mountain West is always going to pick the SEC because he's been brainwashed by ESPN. But if there's no SEC game, the guy in Saginaw is going to watch the Mountain West. And the guy in Saginaw was watching BYU, uh, not BYU, but uh, Boise State Friday nights. After they won that big game, it was every Friday night you would have a Boise game that you would watch after high school. So people knowing that, people blindly used to <laughs> Boise State on Friday night. And those lines got way inflated. So, bam, I went the other way. And even there's two types of teams. Really, only about five or six teams are super elite. The rest are really developmental teams. And then you have teams like LSU now, Alabama, Georgia, who not only are they a hyper-talented team with a guy who's, you know, 300 pounds, bench presses 1,000 pounds very easily uh, without the bar shaking and without five people around him. He's, he's just doing it nice and relaxed. And then he's going out there running a 4-3 faster than most receivers. Those guys go to Alabama, LSU. They're not going to Boise State. So Boise State is a developmental team. But even though they're developmental, they're an elite 
developmental team, right? That uh, they have such an integrated system, starting with Chris Peterson, and they have a legacy, right? Hartson, all those guys come from the same tree. They know exactly, they call it our type of guys, right? They know exactly the guy to recruit there. So they're almost plug and play, even though they're developmental. And the fact that they only bring five offensive guys get back and five on defense back, it's not as important. You always got to look at the trigger man. You always need a guy like Kellen Moore, you know, ripping somebody like that. But they always seem to get that type of guy. And that type of guy wants to go there, right? The, uh, the same way the South is uh, 20 deep, right? Uh, the West is probably 20, 30 deep in quarterbacks. So after five go to the SEC, 12 go to the Pac-12, there's still another 10 guys who can play, right? And Boise State gets one of those guys, Kellamore. Perfect example of that. Uh, the trigger man this year is going to be... Uh, Hockenbarer. Hockenbarer? Yeah, but the, they got Hockenbarer, but really, I'd be surprised Hockenbarer. if Jack Sorry, Sears... Hockenbarer. Jack Sears has a rocket arm. Jack Sears, very intelligent guy. Uh, personally, I would have started him at USC. He's a smart guy. Uh, man, perfect for BYU, for, for Boise State. So, developmental teams, football is a game of attrition, right? So in the second half of the season, the advantage that SEC teams have, uh, elite power, Five teams have, elite ACC teams have, it's depth, right? Boise State, once they start losing players, doesn't mean they're going to lose the game, but it does mean they're not going to cover those inflated lines. So when Josh looked at the second half of the season, said, okay, I covered uh, first game of the season against Florida State. Why? Because even though rule number two, do your research, I didn't have to do much research because they were playing Willie Taggart, who I know got. And we'll talk about this guy who his hands is all over West football. I think he died last year, Dick Tomey. So USF got rescued when Dick Tomey came in, and we paid him $100,000 a year to design the offense for Willie Taggart and to basically run the program and just have Willie recruit. So we knew there was going to be a coaching mismatch against Hartson. And Florida State was favored by six points. We went Boise State. I knew they were going to be better prepared in their defense. Uh, at that time, the Florida State coordinator uh, was really bad, and he ended up getting fired midseason. And the other coach at USF, Jim Levitt, that we'll talk about when I do the Conference USA tournament, He's now the defense coordinator of Florida Atlantic. As Willie Taggart got fired uh, a lot because of this game, because this game was in Jacksonville, Florida. A home game for him. And Boise State went in there and against elite five stars at Florida State. Went up and down the field, had like 600 yards of offense. The game was not as close as his 36 31 score would indicate. They totally wiped the floor with Florida State. And they beat Marshall, right? Inflated in line the next week. But I waited patiently to the second half of the season. And then BYU goes in there and as a seven-point underdog 
covers Boise State. Uh, that game was a recruiting game for BYU. We covered that. Minus 15 against Wyoming. Boom, we covered. Against New Mexico, you knew they were going to be mad because they almost lost Wyoming. They blew them out. They blow out Utah State, stay away from them. Then Colorado State, Mike Bobo, he ends up getting fired, but he covered the spread for us. And then uh, a game that Brandon, Dr. First, and I talked about, uh, Hawaii. Right? We knew that game was going to be different because it's a championship game. And they covered that and played in line. So, bottom line is, second half of the season, especially with COVID, and guys going to be lost. And they're not just going to be lost because COVID inside their body. They're going to be lost because uh, they lost the spring practice and summer drills are going to be weird. There's going to be a lot more energy injuries. So the developmental teams, especially a team with the inflated line, in the second half of the season, are not going to cover. Um, I don't see them covering Colorado State at the end of the season. Wyoming gave them a tough time. Uh, and they, they have a great coach who we'll talk about, too. He fits the profile of other guys we've talked about. Uh, at BYU Friday night, they're probably well in a revenge game. UNLV, Marcus Arroyo, huge coaching mismatch. First year there. And then at Hawaii, they probably will not cover it's our, uh, we'll talk about him later, Coach Graham, who I've been following, <laughs> Coach Graham, for a good decade as well. So that is your BYU Broncos. Boise Guess State. Spread. Oh, it's, yeah, Boise State. I got BYU in my head because <laughs> uh, USF beat BYU. They beat Boise State. And that's one of the big uh, mistakes that Boise State and San Diego State made. They both should have been in the AAC, and that would have been a power conference. And it would have gave both uh, Boise State and San Diego State a path uh, to the playoffs or at least get in the, the bowl championship series in a $30 million payout. Which Next. The AAC has gone three years in a row. So that's $90 million that Craig Thompson has thrown down the toilet just in football. Not talking the money he's thrown down the toilet, sabotaging the San Diego State basketball program. But I digress. <laughs> what other team we're going to watch? Next up is uh, Colorado State. And you already brought it up. Steve Adazio, obviously, his first year here after seven in uh, at Boston College. Um, obviously, this is a team went four and eight last year three and five in the Mountain West. Um, it's going to be difficult for them. I think uh, this year, I, I think they're going to keep a lot of games close. I think they're going to cover a lot. Um, even last year, they were um, 10, uh, 13 and 10 as home dogs and uh, 10 and seven or 18 and 17 in the last 10 years as away dogs. So they're very adept against the spread at covering. Um, you already brought it up. Steve Adazio is going to probably keep that score very low. Uh, that Air Force Colorado State game could be three nothing. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, that's it's it's not a not a ton of um, flash and dazzle for out of Colorado State. It's going to be pretty meat and potatoes. Run the ball down your throat. Um, Patrick O'Brien's a senior. Can lean on that at least at the quarterback position. Possibly 
maybe lead a little bit of senior leadership, former um, Nebraska Cornhusker. Uh, we'll see how this goes. The, the middle part of this division is, is, is just – it can go either way. You know, you could, you could see uh, a bunch of different things. Outside of Boise, I think everyone else is kind of um, – and then New Mexico is probably down there low as well. But any of these other four teams could possibly um, be right behind Boise. Right. And looking at this, watch out for the Colorado State Rams. Right. Uh, there's a lot of factors that I like stacking up for them. Number one is discipline. Right? Uh, Steve Adasio. Not a guy you want to mess with. A many levels. Uh, like, and he has experience with developmental teams, even though yeah, he was on that uh, Urban Meyer staff at Florida that won two national titles. He was the offensive uh, line coach. Uh, Greg Collins, who's the head coach at Georgia Tech, uh, was sitting there as your uh, defensive coordinator. Obviously, Tim Tebow was on there, right? And Steve Adazio had a lot of, in the recruitment of Tim Tebow. Mike Bobo, whatever you want to say about Mike Bobo, coming from Georgia, he did a great job at Colorado State uh, recruiting offensive linemen, right? So, without Adazio, who's an ex, who's won national titles as an offensive line coach, right? And his offensive lines at Temple and Boston College were great. They controlled the ball. All right. So Adazio coming here with a offensive line at Colorado who was respectable. They were in a lot of games last year. Uh, I was very surprised Bobo was let go. Uh, he had a lot of success there. Uh, and nobody wants to go to Fort Collins. And this is a pretty place, and there's a lot of pretty girls there. Uh, a lot of people don't want to go to Fort Collins because it's so military-like. It's close to the Air Force Academy. You know, a place like Fort Collins. Uh, Wyoming was a close game. They had one, two, three, four close losses. So there were four plays away from being eight and four. They have... Let's see, Phil still says they're experienced. Let me see how many career starts they have coming back. Because, again, depending on the philosophy of the team, uh, career starts, guys coming back, can be an 50, important statistic. 57 career starts coming back. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's I'm looking at the wrong team. Um, 26 starts returning, that's it. Okay, so they have 26 starts returning, but they're getting Boston College transfers. So depending on how many starts those transfers have, and transfers are different now where people can play right away. So it's going to be interesting with those 26 starts coming back, the transfers mixed in, you would think they're going to have a higher level of talent coming back on the offensive line to control games. What does that mean? That these games would go under. So you're looking at, you're looking under all the way, man. Uh, October the 3rd was Fres Fresnick State, Fresno State, and their new coach, DeBoer, who's coming in from Cal. And man, did we make some money. We'll talk about the Pets well, next week. But man, I made some money going under. 
the Thunder coach, uh, I forgot his coach, he used to coach at USC, he was defensive coordinator, uh, Wisconsin. What does that mean to us? To us, that means money. It means under. New Mexico, the triple option, under. UNLV with new coach, Marcus Arroyo, under. Wyoming, San Diego State. Man, we're going to be riding that under in Colorado State. Uh, and I think watch out for them. Uh, they're going to be in a lot of games. And if the ball kind of flips their way, uh, they return eight guys on defense. So their defense to keep things under control. And then that offensive line with those BYU, uh, with those Boston College transfers, uh, Steve Adazio might do what he did at Temple. And he had a great first year at Temple. He beat USF, and USF had a, a decent team. Uh, a team that uh, I believe that was their only loss in conference was against Temple and Steve Adazio. So he knows how to run a developmental team. So watch out for your Colorado State Rams. But as Dr. First says, we don't care about that. What we care about is these games are going to go under and we're going to monetize it. We're going to bet on We don't just have a philosophy and run our mouths like uh, Stephen A. Seth, Matt Kellerman, and uh, Colin Cowherd. Right? Our opinions, if we wrong, we lose money. Well, exactly. And, you know, not a whole lot of other people have that going on. Uh, next up is New Mexico. Uh, the Lobos, look, they no longer have Bob Davey at the helm after, I think, six years um, with Bob Davey. Um, this is a team that it, you want to talk about developmental, best case scenario, it's developmental. Um uh, the the thing that did jump out to me, obviously, you do have Danny Gonzalez, uh, an alum, coming back, uh, was the Arizona State defensive coordinator last year. Uh, and then, look, Team Diegan. Uh, yeah, he sucked back. as a defensive coordinator. That's the thing. He was uh, Her members fired him, and suddenly he rises up because I guess he has – that's why networking. You make more money networking than anything else. So Gonzalez had a uh, – not to interrupt you, but I think it's important to note this for people by Gonzalez. He got fired. Then, because he has a connection in the administration at New Mexico, he gets the job as a head coach. So, Brandon First is right on it. Dr. First is right on it. <laughs> Super developmental. 2 and 10 last year. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, to be fair, I don't think he'll necessarily be – he'll be the head coach in name. But, you know, the defensive coordinator is obviously Rocky Long, um, longtime San Diego State head coach. Right. Um, who wanted to take a step back. Uh, I think he will take a step back, but there's going to be a lot of leaning um, and a lot of learning from Danny Gonzalez. Uh, and, honestly – you know, who better to learn from if you're going to do it at New Mexico? I mean, shit, there's one guy who's been successful at New Mexico in my lifetime, and it's been Rocky Long. Um, so it's a nice little return for him. Um, like wow. I said, though, I don't think he's going to be just, uh, you know, diagramming defensive plays. I think they're going to lean on him a lot. I would not be surprised to hear a lot of um, maybe even him doing press conferences at the end of the game. Who knows? Uh, but the thing that did jump out to me um, about – New Mexico is uh, the last three years as home underdogs, or I'm sorry, as home favorites. Let me take that back. The last three years, okay, it doesn't happen often. 
but they're 0-8 in the last three years against the spread um, at home. Like I said, it's not going to happen often, but when it does, uh, something to keep in mind, that is an opportunity. Now, obviously, we talked about inflated lines with Boise State. New Mexico is not going to be a favorite in that situation, but there will be situations where those inflated lines and vice versa, there are going to be times where, for whatever reason, New Mexico, because, hey, you know, oh, it's Albuquerque and, you know, UNLV struggles to play here. Well, they might win. They, or New Mexico might pull it off, but they are not going to cover. So something to think about there um, when betting New Mexico. And look, the money is just as green betting these not very good teams. I'm being nice, but could have said something a lot worse. But yeah, these uh, uh, underwhelming teams, the money is still green. And uh, it's it's real easy to go out there and make a little bit of money off of these underachievers. And, and I said that uh, networking and business – and we got three successful businesses going on at a restaurant that invested five thousand dollars and ended up six hundred thousand dollars six years later in a redneck town of Florida called Pinellas Park. Made the most money, right? Networking. Second thing that's made me the most money is doing your research. And the fact that Rocky Long is the defensive coordinator. What does that mean? Why am I smiling? Why am I so happy? Because I've made more money. That's why I feel that Rocky Long is like a member of my family, along with Andy Reid and John Calipari. Because I've made more money betting on their games and looking at their philosophy. And if you want to get technical in the investment world, it's called fundamental analysis, where you look at the corporate governance of an organization. Howie, uh, uh, Rocky Long, and I think we were talking, Dr. First and I were talking about this last year. Dr. First, how much money has Rocky Long made you betting the under? It's nice. <laughs> think about it. And, and uh, that statistic you brought up about New Mexico uh, being 0-8 as a home favorite, right? And they might be a home favorite first game of the season which is New Mexico State. If they play New Mexico State, which they should. And I know common sense is so common. I know Brandon, uh, Dr. Furs is upset that that um, 15 miles away from each other, Iowa is not playing Iowa State. So New Mexico and New Mexico State, that right close to each other. That, that's really not, And they say that you can't get COVID-19 uh, outside. There is nothing really. There's not even any buildings in between the campus of uh, New Mexico and New Mexico State stopping them from playing. But uh, NBA podcast, we have Sarah Lynn Robinson, who's had a phenomenal career as a Hollywood actress. And she likes NBA. She's going to make some money with us with the NBA. And we did a, a great podcast about uh, her experiences, right? And I have a, a friend of mine who's a lawyer. And she's made as horrible as the Harvey Weinstein thing is, she's made over $2 million. And I have, we can go on our YouTube. I did a conference on Me Too. And the best part of the conference for me was when, because my conferences are very balanced. And I had, and I love both these ladies. I had uh, a gentle lady from the LGBTQ community. And we asked the question. How do you talk to a bigoted, racist, white man 
who's a CEO of a company in the LGBT community, lady who's a little bit liberal, love her to death, I invite her every single conference we have, says the way you do it is to appeal to their humanity, to appeal to their empathy and to their mindfulness. And the lawyer friend of mine who won $2 million with the Harvey Weinstein thing says, well, I think you're wrong. You don't become a CEO by being nice. <laughs> and Vegas did not build these buildings for being nice. Again, like we talked about it the other day, these lines, you're gaslighted, right? You're lied to when they say that they want bets to come in on 50-50, right? And they make the money in the middle. No, they want to make all the money. They want you to bet New Mexico as a home favorite, <laughs> right? And that's what they want, and that's what they'll structure these games for. But if you do your research, right, besides networking, the number two thing that's made me money is doing your research. I get hired for these big jobs where I pay me up front, and then I ask him, have you done your research? And I hate to say this, but I had my friends since 2011 and 2020, not one client has told me they've done their research. That's why the number one teller bet me is do your research. People don't do it. That's why this podcast is money, man. We've been watching the White Mountain once our whole lives. And I'm telling you, man, uh, these podcasts, they don't have any talent, man. They got to keep everything in front of them. They're going to be a good tackling team. And does this a pandemic and they're not even practicing? I can guarantee you. Any rocking log team is going to be a good tackling team. Basics. Uh, keep th these games are going to go under with rocking log for those and many other reasons. And Dr. First was right. Gonzalez is, he's proven he cannot do X's and O's. Rocking Long has proven he can. And really, Rocking Long is like Brandon First a little bit. He's introverted, he doesn't want to go out recruiting. So Danny Gonzalez is going to be out there recruiting. He's going to hit the Juco ranks. He's going to go out there and sell. And, and Rocky Long is going to be sitting there, what? By himself, watching film. Yeah. Guarantee you, his wife and his family are in that beautiful house on the beach in San Diego. Coronado. And he's by himself in a basement with a bottle of tequila and film where he's playing. <laughs> Next up is uh, Utah State, and uh, there's no team in the in the conference that is uh, going to replace uh, anything more meaningful than what Utah State's going to have to replace with, obviously, Jordan Love, who um, was drafted by the Packers, uh, I think. I know it was a late first round, but um, obviously the other news is Gary Anderson, his second year back, um, sixth year overall. Took some time to uh, go uh, mess around in Wisconsin and Oregon State. He's back at Groundhog Utah. Groundhog Day. Seven and six last year. Uh, very, very mediocre. Um, obviously, I think Gary Anderson, certain guys are built, or not built, but they can um, succeed in certain areas. I think Gary Anderson can succeed at Utah State. Now, once again, what is that doing in the Mountain Division? Uh, it's probably at this point being somewhat competitive with Boise State. I think Boise State is the best team in this conference. Um, but I do think 
uh, there's some there's some opportunity to make some money here. Obviously, like we said, we're not 100% sure what's going on with the schedule, but you'd have to imagine BYU. Um, that game would stay the same. It would be a Friday night game at BYU. That would be a very interesting one because it's, um, you know, one of those rivalry games. And look, BYU pays ESPN or ESPN pays BYU a lot of money to cover their games, their home games. Um, so ESPN is going to shove BYU down your throat. And more than likely, uh, the betters are going to uh, respond to that. So I would I would look for something there. I would expect BYU to be pretty heavy favorites in that game. Um, and I think Utah State can uh, sneak in a <clears throat> coverage. Excuse me. They, they do obviously have to go to Boise, to Nevada, to Wyoming, and to Colorado State. It's a really tough road schedule. Obviously, it's tough anywhere you go in the Mountain West because of the altitude. But, um, you know, those, those situations at Provo, at Boise, at Reno, at Laramie, and at Fort, uh, Fort Collins, those are, those are pretty tough games, just atmosphere involved, um, let alone the team. So going to be a tough road for Utah State back. Um, their biggest goal or their biggest thing has to be winning at home. They have to be undefeated at home for them to be somewhat um, competitive in this conference. Big statistic. It, it, we got two Groundhog Day coaches, or the way Yogi Berra would say, deja vu all over again. Uh, it's same guy, same team. They're recruiting the same guys. Really, they're like BYU light, but they came in, a, they start off good. They almost, you know, upset a power five team. Even though they probably should have beat Wake Forest 35 38. Game that went easily over for me. Uh, and then a game that went under was your guest at Rocky Long at San Diego State. Uh, they beat him 23 17. Uh, Gary Anderson, for all I've read, he, he's a great coach. Uh, after he left. Utah State, he goes to Wisconsin, which is a plug-and-play form, uh, formula run by Barry Alvarez, right? And he had a personality conflict with Barry Alvarez, which everybody does. He has very domineering personality. If you're not from his mafia, you're not going to last there very long. Nobody really does. Uh, and he goes to Oregon State. At Oregon State, he was developing that program. Oregon State's a, Corvallis is a tough place to recruit, but he has a lot of connections, and that program was developing. He gets in an uh, argument with a athletic director, and he takes off. He wasn't fired. He just takes off randomly, and he said, hey, you can take the buyout and shove it down your throat. And then he's friends with a guy who's at Texas Tech that we'll be studying because our guy – Family football. Ben Rathlaff is going to be playing the guy who used to coach at Utah State. He's friends with him. He gets him involved in the program. And now he's at Utah State again. Now, the way we're going to make money, and you say, why are you going on and on and on and on about the coaches, right? Because we're using fundamental analysis where you analyze the corporate governance of a company in order to determine whether you're going to invest with them or not. In this case, Corporate governance of the company is the head coach, uh, an athletic director, sometimes president, a combination. Uh, 
But this guy has pulled up upsets. He's got a great uh, record. Right. Uh, he has 81 starts on that offensive line, which means he can't control the game. He has eight guys coming up on offense. And again, like we mentioned, uh, the West Coast every year should have 30 decent quarterbacks to come out. And then a guy like uh, Mr. Love there is already upsetting um, our guy, Hall of Fame quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, as he's saying, oh, my career is definitely ending somewhere else because of Mr. Love. Um, so they have sophomore Andrew Peasley who can run. So if a quarterback can make three first downs with his legs, teams win 75% of the time. Okay? Uh, so they're going to they're gonna have a decent quarterback. And if they choose the running guy, the running guy is going to get first downs for him. So what that is, means is, again, I think you're looking at, they got five guys returning on defense. Uh, Dr. First says that BYU game gets played October 2nd. Look for them to cover an inflated line at BYU. Uh, and then if they beat BYU and San Diego State comes in, bet San Diego State to cover an inflated line at Utah State. All right? So that's the way you want to look at these guys. Uh, you know, see how that offensive line controls. And then late in the season, when attrition comes in, you start going the other way. But that's how you bet Gary Anderson, Utah State teams. And again, uh, next up is the final team in the uh, Mountain Division. It is the Wyoming Cowboys, uh, coached by Craig Bull. It's his seventh year after um, ten years at, <coughs> excuse me, at North Dakota State. Uh, Craig Bull is very similar um, to a lot of these coaches in in this conference in terms of just ball control, defense, special teams. It's a very, very, um, I don't want to say vanilla, but compared to some other teams, it is vanilla, but it works. Um, this is obviously a team that last year went eight and five, um, got a win in a bowl game in the uh, Arizona Bowl against Georgia State. This is a team that is, I think, very well coached. They know when you go to well, when you play Wyoming and when you go to Wyoming, what type of ball you're going to play. Obviously, um, Josh Allen, you know, two or three years ago was the one throwing the ball. And when you have a talent like that, you can maybe tweak some things and maybe you're not running it like normal, uh, that normal smash mouth. But for me, Wyoming as a, um, a team that's going to keep a lot of games under and a team that's going to play uh, a really solid defense and, and take care of that football, good special teams, not going to be flashy, not going to dazzle you, um, but just going to go out and just make us money by pounding the Enders. Well, you know, there's a lot of interesting things going on with Wyoming. Uh, Craig Boyle fits the profile of um, the coach at Buffalo, uh, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. These are guys who have won multiple national championships at uh, FCS schools. What does that mean? It means that the man is married to football. 
He's thinking about football 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That when he started coaching North Dakota State, out of all places, he recruits guys there and then he develops them. And then he gets a guy like Josh Allen, who's the number one pick in the NFL draft. How the heck did he recruit that guy, get him to Wyoming, and get him ready for the NFL draft, and get him drafted, and you see him for the Buffalo Bills, how good he is. I mean, these guys are phenomenal guys. Uh, they teach all of us not to have excuses, right? Oh, I coach in North Dakota State. It's so cold. He didn't say that, man. He got to work and built that place into a powerhouse, man, North Dakota State. That's what the United States of America is all about, taking advantage of the opportunity, making a way when there's no way. And that's what Craig Boyle does, man. Uh, great coach. What does that mean? That he's a strategist. That means that if his team has close to or equal talent, Greg, Craig Boyle is going to win that game. That's why we've Dr. Furson earned the right to bet that bowl game, right? We've got it right because we're sitting here on August the 7th on a Friday night breaking down teams. <laughs> That's why we earned the right to bet that bowl game and win money. And we know who Craig Boyle is, and we know what Craig Boyle can do. Again, developmental teams, very important. It's common sense, but common sense isn't so common, so I'll spell it out. Developmental teams, the key, the key statistics, how many guys they come back, they have developed. And that's eight on offense, five on defense. So that means they're going to control the ball. Uh, you want to look at career starts for that offensive line. Uh, Phil Steele says that this offensive line might be uh, one of the best in the country. They have 146 career starts coming back. Man, is this team going to control the ball. Now, what team last year had all these guys coming back and control the line and cover for us uh, seven out of eight times at the end of the season? And that is your Rachel Cajun from Louisiana. This reminds me a lot of this. Uh, again, uh, Josh Allen. What does that mean? They... Chris Boyle knows how to coach a quarterback, so the quarterback's going to be fine. Uh, man, you look at this first game at UNLV, you got to go with Wyoming because UNLV has uh, Marcus Arroyo, and we'll get into him because we have some insight on Marcus Arroyo. Uh, that, that's, that's a game we got to – I'm circling right now. If I could bet it right now, I would. I would bet it for Wyoming. You got a huge coach mismatch there. Again, this is a huge advantage we have. Uh, because remember, Vegas, what they want to do is for you to get the games wrong. And these supercomputers, right, are going to look at the average scores of the Mountain West the last 20 years. And as we all know, higher level intelligence is situational intelligence. What happened in... 2019 has no correlation to what happening in 2020, right? Like they say in the investment world, past results are not indicative of what's going to happen in the future, right? That's why they have these computers, these faulty data 
so you lose money. So these uh, Mountain West lines are going to be inflated for the over, uh, thinking about the whack, the wacky whack. You know, you had this 55-54 games. That's not going to happen. Wyoming has 146 guys uh, starts returning on that offensive line. They are going to run the ball, control the ball, right? And they're going to make let you make a mistake on defense, play conservative defense, and watch out. It's going to be interesting. I, I, very interesting right now looking at the Wyoming Cowboys and looking at Colorado State. You have really good coaches. You got really good offensive lines that know how to control the ball to keep these games under for us. Yeah, perfect. And next up is the first team out of the western part of the Mountain West. It is uh, Fresno State, the Bulldogs. Uh, first year for Kalen DeBoer, who um, was very, very impressive at Sioux Falls uh, from 05 to 09. Uh, when 65-3, and three, that's his only prior head coaching experience. It's obviously been D1 as coordinators and stuff like that. Um, obviously, um, Fresno State, they – they're kind of um, San Diego State's main rival and, and a team that is is very similar in terms of that that rebuild. So every two or three years, they're going to be very, very good. And then um, the next year, uh, kind of get rid of all of that talent and be underwhelming. And last year, they were four and eight, uh, obviously underwhelming. Jeff Tedford, um, he did a good job back in 2018, kind of fell apart. Uh, this is a team for me, Right now, I think they're kind of the 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 opposite of what we're go- what we just talked about in terms of controlling the ball. I think they're a little more of a wild card. Obviously, Fresno State maybe a little more flashy. I will say the only time I did see Fresno State up close and personal last year, um, they gave USC a hell of a scare to start the season. This is not a team. Um, that is really going to be taken lightly, and that's a down year for Fresno State. Look, they went four and four and eight last year, two and six in the conference for a team that normally, um, like I said, they're 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 a competitive, strong team. Last year, not so much. Still, even in a down year, they were competitive against the likes of. Look, I know USC. Believe me, you don't have to tell me USC was amazing last year, but still, they were very competitive um, at the healthiest they saw USC. I mean, that was when JT Daniels was actually playing, um, if it even was for a quarter. So I think there will be some growing pains um, early on from uh, DeBoer. Obviously, he knows how to win. That was at the NAIA level. A little different here at D1, um, but really an opportunity to, I think he has a long leash, and the pun could be there for the Bulldogs. Um, I think there's a couple years that he is expecting to kind of develop these players and have these guys kind of pump out players similar to, you know, I mean, I don't know if they'll ever do what I think it was Pat Hill who 12, 14 years was just kick, kicking out players left and right. Um, and I mean, churning out players, I should say left and right. And uh, really a mountain West power going to have to see that happen, but we'll see if that can happen with Kalen DeBoer in his first year. Uh, what are your thoughts on Fresno state? Yes. Uh, Fresno state. I've been following Fresno state my whole life. I remember uh, Fresno State when, you know, I'm looking for the coach because the coach coached forever. And I remember before Pat Hill, uh, there was this guy, I'm going to look him up, and I saw him randomly uh, one night, maybe a couple years ago, Jim Sweeney. 
Uh, Jim Sweeney, that shows you how old I am. Jim Sweeney is the old school Fresno State coach. And then I saw him, he was coaching in the big sky, Weber State. And he was giving a speech on a late night show. And I don't think they even have that, the camera was scratchy. And he, he was very inspirational. He was very inspirational. Uh, and Pat Hill has coached on his staff with Jim Sweeney, old school coach. And Pat Hill, uh, the reason a lot of people loved him, because Pat Hill was, uh, when he gave an interview, he was WWE. We'll play anybody at any time. And his claim to fame really was that uh, crazy game against USC when USC was in the middle of the three-peat. And they lost 48-45 in the Coliseum. It's crazy. Put 45 points on that USC team uh, with Reggie Bush and all them. Uh, Pat Hill comes in, and then Pat Hill basically has an NFL team year in, year out. And it's just tough to coach in Fresno State, especially when you bring in the talent, because they get bored, and they'll lose a the game once or twice, and that just wrecks the whole season. So now they went on hard times. Then they get Jeff Telford, which links in to what's going on at UNLV. Telford uh, had a phenomenal career at Cal. He resurrected the Cal program. And he goes out to recruit a tight end. That, and then he notices the quarterback throwing the ball to the tight end has this ridiculous arm. He starts quizzing him and then says, okay, uh, uh, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, I'll give you a scholarship to Cal. So he gets Aaron Rodgers to Cal. Uh, and he recruits Deshaun Jackson. And Cal has a great run. So when Fresno State fell on hard times, they got Ted uh, Telford. So he takes a team that's 1 and 11. And he goes 10-4, 12-2. He has that game against uh, USC. And the reason that USC beat him was because of a punt return and a kickoff return. That's actually uh, the first in the state defense and plan was, besides uh, the Washington game, was uh, the defense that held the air raid to the least amount of success USC had. Uh, what's interesting is that Telford got very upset at the liberal uh, administration account and the liberal donors account who would not give the football program any money. So he quit coaching account and he coached for Tampa Bay. And he started with the Glazers. So he got an illness and the Glazers said, hey, you make a lot of money as offensive coordinator. We're not going to give you any money for health care. So Telford literally flicked off the Glazers in a meeting and took off. And the quarterback coach suddenly becomes the offensive coordinator. Head coach at that time is Lovey Smith, who's now the head coach of Illinois. And Marcus Arroyo became the offensive coordinator with ties to Telford. And now... Marcus Arroyo is the head coach at UNLV, which we'll talk a little bit later. So, Kalen DeBoer 
and we're talking about six degrees of separation yesterday. Kayla DeBoer codes for uh, Coach Allen at Indiana. Coach Allen's a hardcore coach. He knows how to pick coaches. And he took a developmental team in Indiana. And, man, Indiana, as long as they're not playing a legit team like uh, Michigan or Ohio State, they went up and down the field, four or 500 yards of offense, scored a lot of points. So he's a top-notch coach. And, again, he fits the profile, right? Like they say, they hate police profiling, you know. But in this case, profiling works. Chris Kleiman, uh, the guy at uh, Buffalo. The guy at Wyoming, right? These guys that won multiple championships. And the only way you go uh, 67 and 3 at NIA, this guy's coaching an NIA team, and he's married to the team. He knows every single detail, right? He's obsessed. That's why he's good. That's why he, he rose up the ranks. So watch out for them to be very, very well prepared. They have eight on offense, seven on defense. So it's a developmental program. The reason I mean so much is because Ted Telford, again, you make money with fundamental analysis, uh, corporate governance, right? So the corporate governance was Ted Telford, who recruited Rogers, who recruited Deshaun Jackson. What does that mean? He knows talent, and he knows how to develop talent. So watch out for the Fresno State Bulldogs, they're going to be a very disciplined team with a very detail-oriented guy who in the middle of nowhere, where every excuse to get lazy and depressed, um, takes an NIA school to three national titles, 67-3. What does 67-3 mean? He means that A, he knows how to develop talent. B, he's up all night coming up with strategies. He's sitting there in the middle of March thinking about the nuances and the differences in the defenses that he's going to play the next year, watching film, right? Uh, develops talent, watches film, right? And number three, knows how to communicate to his team to be able to execute details. That's how you go 67 and three. And that's why we go 80 to 90% on our bets because we know our research. So watch out for one thing I want to look at real quick. That offensive line, uh, offensive line returns 64. So that's enough for him to work with. Or you get in the 20s, it might be in trouble. But eight guys returning on offense. Uh, the, the quarterback lit up USC. Clancy Pendergrass is coming back. Uh, so watch out for Fresno State. Fresno State's going to be good. And if there's a team that might break that over bubble, uh, it's going to be them if, like, Dr. First and I are predicting a lot of these Mountain West games are going to go under. Uh, take a peek at one of their games late in the season to go over versus State Bulldogs. And with things being even, I would pick them to cover the spread. Perfect. Next up is uh, the Hawaii Warriors. Obviously, um, uh, Nick Rolovich has moved on to Washington State. He's actually in the news himself with um, apparently the uh, tape. There was a tape out there, pretty much him telling uh, the, the DB uh, from Washington State not to join the movement. And, you know, he's had to clarify what's going on, you know, backtrack. So, he but, likes talking. He likes, Nick, as well as the other guys we talked with, Howie Long's a 
extrovert, he's an extreme uh, extrovert. So rocking along, introvert, he just wants to sit there drinking tequila in, in the basement of his house in uh, New Mexico. This guy lets you sit there and talk to everybody. He's a wild party guy, uh, quarterback guy. <laughs> Been partying his whole life. Never left the frat house. Now he's a head coach, Rolovich. I watched this say so. Yeah, and then uh, obviously, so Todd Graham steps in, a guy who's uh, had his own past him, his himself, um, and and someone that you know you say whatever you want, but uh, you know up until he got to Arizona State, he was successful. Uh, seems to have kind of slowed down since. Was was uh, definitely had some bad years at Arizona State with Hawaii. You know what you're gonna get. Last year, um, a really good team. Obviously, they. Um, they competed against Boise State, lost by 21 points. Um, they're a little closer than the game. Um, the, the score was closer than it should have been. Um, we'll see with uh, Hawaii. I do think Hawaii is one of those teams that they're up one year and down another. Um, obviously, they were up last year. You do have um, a new quarterback, which is always something to uh, get a little worried about for Hawaii, although it is a situation where is it a plug-and-play in that uh, kind of hybrid air raid. It is Todd Graham, so there could be maybe some wrinkles coming in. Um, really interested to see what what comes from this Hawaii. And there's always the travel situation um, and, and keeping the kids, uh, I guess, they're the away teams uh, occupied or, 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 or focused. You know, it is Hawaii after all. So um, it is a business trip. Not too many people take business trips to Hawaii. So you got to focus on that. Uh, Todd Graham, we'll see how he does in a situation where um, I think he's expected to to do something that maybe he's not ever been expected to do, and that's kind of uh, sustained success. Yeah, and Todd Graham, I, I like Todd Graham because uh, he's wild, man. He, he really is wild. He's really is disorganized. Uh, it's one of those guys that you're like, how did he become the boss? You know? <laughs> it's like you get to work and he's completely shows up late doesn't know what's going on and then he starts talking about his personal life and his personal life is a disaster you're like and then he you know somebody asks him for advice and he says something really stupid and then you go back to your desk and you talk to your buddies it's like this guy's running the whole place and he doesn't even seem like he can tie his shoes <laughs> that is Todd Grant but um, I always wonder, right? I wonder if people who are hyper-focused and it's a business law, right? You get hired. This is a thing with a couple of guys we'll bring up here in the Mountain West as head coaches. You get hired to your level of incompetency. And I was fascinated by the Matt Castles of the world uh, in the NBA with Kurt Memphis, uh, you know, who are great, uh, I guess, uh, McNown, right, for the Philadelphia Eagles, backup quarterback. These guys are great practice players. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's nice. Guy. But then they get into the game, they're horrible. And uh, Graham seems to be lights out when he gets a job in the be a head coach. <laughs> he can get jobs in his Groundhog Day, right? He can get jobs, but then he gets in a job and uh, – flames out, right? He did it. He flamed out at Pittsburgh. Uh, at Arizona State, he, he started off decent, right? He goes 10-4, 10-3. But you got to think it might have been Mike Norville, who 
been lights out in Memphis, and now he's coaching Florida State. Who was one of his main assistants, did a lot of the recruiting and ran the offense. Uh, without him, everything's gone downhill. Uh, Graham is very, very uh, notorious for being very, very disorganized with recruiting. The finish is strong. So he can't hide for focus, right? He hired for focus on an interview to become a head coach. He's lights out. He has two players, and he needs 25 in five days to fill out a recruiting class. <laughs> He'll go out there like a house of fire for those five days and fill out the recruiting class. But uh, that caught up to him, right, in the Pac-12. He goes five and seven, seven and six. And the new athletic coordinator – uh, the athletic director, who's a very disciplinary guy and best friends with Herm Edwards, <laughs> took advantage of the fact that he was disorganized to give him the axe. And you could say that if he was more organized with the talent he has, and he's a smart guy, uh, instead of being 5 and 7, 7 and 6, his records would be better. Or if he recruited the whole year instead of the last two weeks of the recruiting season. He would have been able to maintain that talent, uh, especially with not having a Mike Norville around. So he's going to be fun at Hawaii because I guess he's, he'll be able to get away with recruiting the last five days because he's recruiting guys that need a place to go, need a place to play uh, from the West Coast. And again, West Coast quarterbacks are 30 deep, so he can get the 30, 31st quarterback out there, get him to fly out to Hawaii, get some transfers out there. Uh, he has five on offense, five on defense, but it doesn't matter. He's actually a brilliant guy when it comes to strategy. And one of the reasons I love him is because he blitzes on every play. That's his philosophy. Just blitz on every play. Let's see if we can get a, a turnover, which worked in that famous uh, tarmac game against uh, Lame Kiffin where he got fired on the tarmac. Because he couldn't figure out all of uh, Todd Graham's blitzes on every play. You know, the famous Lane Kiffin saying, is he going to blitz on every play? Yeah, that's what he's done his whole life. That's why, that's why you're getting asked by Pat Haney because you're not prepared late. Uh, but it's going to be fun with the rainbows. That's the kind of defense you want to see at Hawaii. You want to see guys flying out of everywhere, uh, all kinds of blitzes. And they're going to run the spread. And they're going to throw it all over the place. So that's going to be fun. But I think they're going to lose against most disciplined teams in the conference. So uh, Nevada has a disciplined coach, Boise State. Look, look for them to lose. I'm picking Fresno State to cover right now over Hawaii. Uh, New Mexico, you know, be at home, they'll be fine. That's San Jose State. And look for them to get blown out last game of the season by Brady Hoke in San Diego State. And, uh, but again, this is another team where Vegas is going to take advantage of the line, take advantage of the supercomputer, seeing all these points Hawaii doing. Pick the under in these uh, Hawaii games. On the road, pick them to go over at home because at home they're going to be playing that crazy defense. Uh, and they're going to have a special offense because Graham is a calculated man. He's going to have a nice, crazy offense that he can laugh with the alumni. Uh, on the rubber chicken circuit, they'll be back for Flores next year after COVID-19. So he wants the alumni to say, oh, this is what we did on offense when you guys showed up or watched on TV our games. So over at home, 
and uh, under on the road for Coach Todd Graham in your Hawaii Rainbows. 10-5 last year. Next up is uh, Nevada, a team most people expect uh, to win the Western division of uh, the Western portion, I should say, of the Mountain West. It's a team that ran the ball uh, 60% of the time over the last two years. Coach Jay Norvell has been, done well here uh, in four years. Not the greatest, you know, uh, win-loss record, but has built um, a sustained success. You know, what do they say, three years for a coach. Um, we've seen um, back-to-back winning seasons with his players, if you will. So he, he has that going for him. Obviously, there will be um, question marks at the quarterback position, but it does seem like returning starter Carson Strong um, after a true freshman performance. A uh, lot of people thought he was going to back up Malik Henry. Um, that didn't happen. He ended up stealing the spot from Malik Henry, and uh, Malik Henry is no longer with the team, so it seems to be all his now. And obviously, obviously, if you've ever watched uh, Last Chance University, you know exactly who uh, Jay, um, I'm sorry, Malik Henry is. Then Jay Norvell, like I said, has continued to get better and better and better every single year. Obviously, last year he did, he went seven and six after going eight and five the year before. But expect Nevada to run the football a lot. And then when you have a quarterback that isn't, I wouldn't say veteran, but has been in the system for a year, knows what to expect. Um, obviously next year and maybe even the year after that will be the time that um, it's the playbook is opened up for him. But for the moment right now, I think they turn around and hand the ball off to uh, guys like Toa Taua, I would assume is how you pronounce that. Uh, so uh, big, big body. They bring all three running backs back from last year. So I expect a healthy dose of the run game for Nevada and a good defensive unit that will do enough to um, – I don't know if we can sit here and say every single game that they have is going to be an under. I don't know if their defense is that, you know, consistently reliable. But I do think this is going to be a team that plays a lot of ball control, and you're not going to see this team air it out. Yeah, right on. It's something, too, right, that makes a lot of money is uh, the way things are going here. A lot of these games are going to be under early, and then Vegas is going to adjust, and then you adjust, and then you start going over, depending on the number. That's why you have to do your research. Uh, 77 career starts in terms of the offensive line. The fact that the quarterback is inexperienced is irrelevant here because Jay Norville is a uh, Hall of Fame almost. Uh, he had the Heisman tr- Trophy winner at Oklahoma back in the day who USC destroyed in the national championship game. So he, he's a phenomenal quarterback coach. Uh, he's going to coach that kid up. Uh, they have 10 coming back on offense, seven on defense. I was surprised uh, the offensive coordinator has been there for four years, right? So he knows the system. But I was surprised it in, in its Matt mummy, right? Why is that so important? His dad invented the air raid, right? And the air raid is a son of the run and shoot, Miles Davis. Uh, for me, it, I went to the track one time in high school, 
and saw this guy practicing in the middle of the sermon by the name of Ernest Givens. He plays with Mouse Davis in the run and shoot. They had uh, Jim Kelly as a quarterback. That's how old I am. So the run and shoot turns into the air raid. How mummy. He teaches it uh, to Clingsbury and becomes an offensive assistant with the offensive coordinator at Houston Baptist. And we have Houston Baptist receiver Ben Raslap, who came on. Listen to all those podcasts if you want to learn about the air raid and the offense that Nevada is going to run. But how Mummy's version or flavor, in Norville's flavor of the air raid, is more of a ball control. Do not make mistakes. And whatever defense, especially a guy like Norville, whatever defense you're in, it's wrong defense. They have a play for it. But they want to control the game. They want to, um, they want to uh, keep the defense fresh. So that's why these games go under. Even though people say air raid and they think it's basketball and grass, high-flying games. I really wanted them to go to Tampa and play uh, USF. But that still might happen. Um, they might have to change the date to October 10th because of the incompetence of Craig Thompson, uh, who's the commissioner of the Mountain West. That game against San Diego State, uh, you have to give Nevada the edge because of Brady Hoke. And Hoke, even though he's he's been there, he's only been there a year. And I think Hoke uh, might have made too many changes. This guy's been consistent, other than his defensive coordinator. Uh, at Hawaii, it's going to be interesting. Uh, New Mexico, this Rocky Long, right? You would say, oh, they're going to blow him out, but this is Rocky Long, man. You can take you can take Dr. First and I get us in shape and <laughs> keep the game on. <laughs> you really can't. Uh, so, man, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, it's going to be an interesting year for Nevada. I would research their games before betting on them. But, like Dr. First says, look for the under, especially early in the season. Yep, and next up from is the uh, San Diego State Aztecs, another team that is um, expected to definitely compete with Nevada for the uh, Western Division side of things. Um, obviously, look, Rocky Long is gone. In his place is Brady Hoke, who you uh, spoke of earlier. Back um, for this will be his third year uh, with the school um, after it was uh, 2010. Got San Diego State back to a bowl game. And then uh, obviously left for Michigan. Didn't go very well at Michigan. And uh, got a second chance at, at Tennessee. Uh, was an interim coach through all that. Not, you know, the greatest thing ever. But he was there. He was putting in work, and look, he's coming back, and he was the beginning. Um, Rocky Long obviously kind of stabilized the, the the program, but Brady Hoke was the one who brought this team back to, I, I, I don't quote me on it, but I think 98 was the last time that they had gone to a bowl game before 2010. So, you know, 12-year bowl drought, and now we are talking about a, a, a program that's going to bowl games every single year, and Winning bowl games, for the most part, the most impressive thing for me, I believe, obviously you, the defense um, is always top five. They're really good at creating turnovers. Uh, for me, I look at the Letterman returning. They have 45 Letterman returning, only losing 14. Um, 
eight defensive starters returning for San Diego State. They have four guys on the first team all-conference. Their defense is going to be just as good as it always is. Um, it all comes down to what the quarterback's going to do. Who knows? That's always a question. Uh, it's going to be Carson Baker, apparently. Uh, Lucas Johnson is a transfer. Um, played at Georgia Tech last year. They'll compete. We'll see how that goes, but I expect a, a heavy dose of running the football, playing good defense, and uh, just being what Brady Hoke's been pretty much been about since 2010 um, when he left. Hopefully, like he like he never did. Right, and you guys, you don't have to, but you really should look at the history. And Brady Hoke has a a very interesting history. His dad is John Hoke who played for Woody Hayes at Miami University. And it has the second richest Miami University in the late 50s, has the second richest uh, defensive staff of all time. You had Bill Schoenblackler was the defensive line coach and the linebacker coach was George Steinbrenner, who ended up being the multi-billionaire owner of the Yankees. The number one richest coaching staff of all times is the 1964 Arkansas defensive line, uh, defensive staff, where Barry Switzer was a defensive coordinator and Jerry Jones was the Linebackers coach, <laughs> University of Arkansas, 1964. And Broyles was the coach. And Broyles recruited in 1977 a player by the name of Billy Ray Smith. <laughs> that, that's where Brandon, Dr. Brandon and I, Brandon, Dr. Brandon first, and I met on the Scar, Scott and the Billy Ray Smith show. So we there's our six degrees separation separation with John Hoke and Brady Hoke, uh, and you got to say that that 64, uh, 1964 defensive staff with Jerry Jones and Barry Switzer has to be the richest because Jerry Jones is probably worth about ten billion dollars right now, and George Steinbrenner is probably worth around four or five between his shipping company and the Yankees who by themselves are worth about three billion dollars right so brady hoke has always lived a charmed life i remember brady hoke as being the ridiculously fat guy at the rose bowl when michigan won the national championship with greasy at quarterback and desmond howard right was it desmond howard or was it i forgot the guy's name john woodson it was woodson he should have won the it was kind of like Desmond Hart should have Woodson was the one who won the Heisman Trophy or should have won the Heisman Trophy, but I know Michigan won the national title. He parlayed that job to Ball State. He goes to Ball State, recruits well, has a great career there. In about 2008, that's when I started uh, making money, betting on games, and Ball State made me a lot of money with Brady Hick as a head coach. Suddenly, he goes to San Diego State, uh, and then he goes to Michigan. He starts off well at Michigan. And then he's he's similar to Clay Helton in the fact that he did a great job recruiting at Michigan, brought in a lot of great players in Michigan. 
However, he did not develop those players. So he goes, you know, from going 10 and 2 to 5 and 6, 5 and 6. Uh, Michigan's not going to put up with that. He gets fired. And I think he went into a deep depression because he goes and he becomes the defensive coordinator of Oregon, Chip Kelly. Uh, he does a disastrous job there. He goes to Tennessee, and the same thing happened at Tennessee that happened to him in Michigan, where he did a phenomenal job recruiting, did a horrible job developing players. He That whole staff gets fired with Bush Jones. Now Bush Jones is now the defensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide. He went as a, an assistant for Nick Saban and learned how to coach. <laughs> What he didn't know at Tennessee, they got him fired at Tennessee. And Brady Coke was part of the problem, not the solution at Tennessee. So he goes to the Carolina Panthers. And Ron Rivera, who's the nicest guy in the world, they say, had to fire uh, Brady Hoke and take over his duties as defensive line coach because he was sucking so bad. Not only was he sucking so bad, he was getting in fights with the players. So after that, he, he was out of football if it wasn't for his best friend. Now, I'm not saying he's his best friend, but his networking buddy, his business associate, Rocky Long. And now he's the coach at San Diego State. So, Dr. First, what does all that mean? For me, it's almost like uh, Groundhog Day all over again. He's back. I take from that that um, maybe he'll do good the first year and things will slowly go downhill unless he's part of the 5% of society who learns from their mistakes, their recent mistakes and changes and uh, does well. How do you make sense of that? I mean, I, it's one of those things where you, I, I'm a big believer you go where you are successful or you go back to where you are successful. Brady Hoke is in Rocky Long are almost kind of the same mind obviously um younger uh maybe different philosophies in terms of uh, the offensive side of the ball but I think it's it's a nice transition it's an easy transition I mean it's kind of like the bookend right you have uh Brady Hoke leaving Rocky Long taking over and then Brady Hoke coming in after the fact I think this is good for San Diego State um you know it's crazy though isn't it crazy That's yeah a crazy you know, story. It's, it's, it's a situation. We'll see how falling, it goes. Uh, I guess uh, Beto, the guy who ran for president, would call it falling forward. Yeah. Yeah, because he's failed at Michigan, Oregon, Tennessee, and Carolina. Last three stops. Complete failure. Do some uh, rapid fire here on these last two. Um, first up is San Jose State Spartans. Um, Brent, Brent Bennon. Brent Bennon. Brennan, right. excuse me, my goodness. Um, uh, formerly a, a wide receiver at UCLA. It's his fourth year at San Jose State. Um, it has been somewhat going upwards. Um, first year, four and eight, two and two and eleven, then one and eleven, um, and then a five and seven season last year. They are getting closer to that bowl eligibility that kind of they they strive for. It will be interesting to see if they get it this year. They do have a senior quarterback, so I do feel like this might be their best um, opportunity. Will it happen? I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to really roll down to how they deal with those road games at Boise State, at San Jose State, at New Mexico, and at Fresno. Yeah, 
we look at the corporate governance. And the reason we do this is because it's made us a lot of money betting. Uh, he's a Jim Harbaugh disciple. And I guess your girl goes to that school. He used to coach at USD. I always get him confused all the school stuff. USD. Uh, but he used to coach at that school. And he's done a good job developing this program. Uh, they go 1-11 to 5-7. Look for them to take the next step forward. All those Harvard guys, that system, they do well unless you are Willie Taggart and you go to Florida where the weather's so crazy that linemen cannot maintain their weight. But uh, San Jose has cool weather. The linemen can maintain their weight. They have 72 starts coming back. And then a really organized team like this, organized guy in a pandemic is going to do well again. Look at these unders, man. Look at these unders and look for the San Jose State uh, Spartans to take a step forward with six guys returning on offense and seven on defense. And finally, it is uh, the UNLV Rebels. Uh, Marcus Arroyo, formerly a quarterback at San Jose State, which we just talked about in the early 2000s. Um, UNLV, this is a team that has been without a bowl um, for quite a long time. Definitely one of those basketball-heavy schools. Uh, do do understand that they got a new practice field. So, you know, who knows? You you do have a situation. Maybe maybe the Raiders come in. It's more um, a more attractive uh, place to go. I don't know. For me, it's always one of those things. You live on the West Coast. You hear people say, oh, I'm going to UNLV. To me, that just means, oh, I'm going to, you know, live for four years on the strip in Las Vegas <laughs> for my college years. And, hey, that's great. That's fine. Now, as a better, that's not a team that I'm going to get behind financially. Um, now, obviously, there are going to be situations. You go the other way, you bet on them to lose. Exactly. And, and, and there are going to be situations where you'll see inflated lines. Um, they will be at Boise. I don't know how that line will go. It might not be inflated because I do expect them to win. Um, the travel to Hawaii is always a little different. But, you know, it is one of those things. If this team can get their head on straight, um, you know, for what, the, the three months leading up to that game while they're in Vegas. I'm sure they'll be just fine in Hawaii. Uh, really interesting to see. I don't think we're expecting anything um, too crazy. I think San Jose State's actually projected to finish higher than UNLV, so that kind of tells you exactly where they're expected to fall. Uh, another down year for UNLV. Um, who knows? Marcus Arroyo, we'll, we'll, see, what, we'll, we'll see what can happen um, with another season of uh, probably mediocrity from the Rebels. Yeah, I mean, he was put in a bad position in Tampa Bay, but uh, he uh, froze. I have a buddy of mine that works for the Bucks, and he was in the press box, and he sent me a short illegal video of him just choking and um, freezing when he was supposed to call it a play, and the quarterback just had to call him on their own. So he goes to Oregon, and he has Justin Herbert at Oregon. He recruited him. Uh, but how much of that is Mario Cristobal, who's a control freak, and is a head coach and such a control freak that he doesn't trust anybody with the offensive line? He coached the offensive line, but God bless him, Oregon had six uh, draft picks on that offensive line. That was a monster offensive line. And the way they pancaked and toyed with that Auburn defensive line, man, that was crazy. And obviously, they should have won that game. So I really don't have a lot of confidence in Marcus Arroyo. Uh, man, you know, I, it, it's, it's not right to objectify women. However, uh, 
the the athletic director at UNLV is very, very, very attractive. I really wanted her to go to UCLA. It would have been interesting. But I can't dress. Uh, he's going to be a disaster at UNLV. Uh, they got six guys on offense, four on defense. UNLV had a high school coach the last God knows how many years Tony Sanchez. God bless him. Got paid a lot of money, but he's a high school coach, and he and him would admit that. And now you have a guy who, in pressure situations, freezes up. Uh, and then in Oregon, he was protected at Oregon. Uh, he had number one recruiter in the, in the country that now USC is paying $1.5 million to recruit at USC. So, disaster, you know, the bet against them, not for him. Exactly. Final uh, word. Final- Final thoughts for me, uh, I think it's another uh, great opportunity for us to put in this research and get an opportunity. And this is kind of just laying the groundwork for it. You know, this is obviously isn't the end all be all the last time we're ever going to think about these teams or do research on them. Just laying the groundwork on them um, and, you know, taking a couple looks at them, uh, obviously. When the, when, the, when the season rolls around and we, we know a little more concrete, um, the schedule-wise, um, what's going to happen. I think we kind of have ideas of who's going to play who, who will stay on the schedule. Obviously, BYU has been announced, um, will be playing the Mountain West schedule. So we know that, but the Mountain West has announced that, look, they want to let other teams play um, non-conference games. Josh has talked about the Nevada-South Florida game. Now, you know, with the whole travel thing, it seems unlikely. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, money rules all. So if the money is right, I'm sure – that um, that game will go off without a hitch. But we could see something else. Uh, who knows? Maybe um, uh, uh, a situation where Nebraska or something like that happens. We'll, we'll see. Um, but at the end of the day, the Mountain West, um, it's the one that's probably the closest to where I live, obviously, in San Diego. So uh, obviously big-time SDSU country. And uh, a league that is a bit on the downturn, um, not not like it used to be when it was TCU and Boise going at it um, and when San Diego State was at its peak and even Hawaii back in the day. Um, but it is it is a conference that's that's getting there. Um, obviously, I think it's a little top heavy with BY, or, uh, with Boise and then even with BYU on the schedule this year. Um, and then the San Diego States and the, and the Nevadas. And then you look kind of down at the bottom and see, you know, teams like um, UNLV and uh, um, other teams like that and uh, San Jose State. So really interesting to dive into the mountain west and can't wait to monetize it because that's the best part of doing all this right and going through this uh each each conference we've done and i'll make sure everything gets posted tonight in the latest conference usa tomorrow morning uh it going through it and looking at the coaches and looking at a couple times a lot of things make a lot more sense and you figure out how the pieces fit together, and you look at how uh, to take advantage of mistakes that Vegas is doing because they're not doing what we're doing. And we're doing work now and with a relaxed state of mind that when the games are about to start or you have a, a you know day to research, you're going to make a lot more money doing it this way. Uh, I will disagree really quickly with uh, – I think that Mountain West is in big trouble. Uh, I really, when it gets to the Big 64 conference, which teams from the Mountain West are going to be in it, right? Right now, let's say BYU and San Diego State 
and everybody else is going to be on the outside. Uh, but with that, we've given you everything we have. Winston Churchill said, make a life, make a living from our labor, but we make a life from what you give. Pac-12 will be coming up next week. That's why this one cost us $800, and that cost $200, and I don't know what that cost, I'm just shaking the work. That's why I'm working with the two.